We're going to just uh, turn to God's Word briefly together to see how it speaks to us as a community about what it is that we are called to do in order to be faithful to what we've been thinking about today. And as we do that, what do you think it takes to be happy in life? What do you think the best gift that we can give to our young people is as a community seeking to support them to have happy lives right now and in five years' time and in ten years' time and even right on into eternity? What is it that produces happiness in a person's life? What's the best protection we can offer them for the sorts of things that bring pain and sorrow? How can we prepare them and and guard them against some of those things? Well, the book of Psalms uh, begins with a reflection on that very topic. So we're just going to spend a few minutes to look at what it has to say to us because it's really, really helpful for us to take on board for ourselves, no matter how old we are, but also to think about what it is that we're seeking to do for others and today particularly uh, for those who are younger among us. So let's read from uh, verse 1 of Psalms 1. Thanks, guys. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners... Or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. What a great uh, bit of instruction that is for us. And it gives us a, a great biblical perspective on what it means to live a happy life. And we discover in these verses that a happy life is not shaped by destructive influences. That's one thing that you know about a happy life. It's not being moulded and formed by destructive influences. The second thing that it teaches us about the happy life is that it is shaped, in contrast, by God's instruction. Um, When I was uh, younger, I was about uh, year 12, I just finished year 12, um, and uh, we'd gotten through our ATAR exams, um, and uh, as they're called now, and uh, everyone was ready to let their head down. And so what do we call that now? Leavers, right? So um, I lived in Bustleton. Uh, we had um, a member of our class who um, lived on a winery um, down between Dunsborough and Marga River. And so the class kind of decided that um, they would go down there and have a party to finish off the year. Um, now, I'm a little bit older than um, the guys who were on stage earlier. So um, this is before the Dunsborough Leavers became as massive as it is now, but it was just starting to take off. Um, so we went down and uh, I had uh, a group of five of us um, from church who were all in the same year. Uh, and two of those guys, uh, they were kind of wanting to fit in with everything that was going on at this Leavers celebration at the winery. And two of the other guys were more, you know what, this isn't how God calls us to live. So, you know, getting you know, blind drunk and doing some of the, the shenanigans that happened. I had two going that way and two going that way. And it's kind of like a picture... Two were kind of being shaped by the destructive influences and two were kind of saying, well, that's not how God's called us to live. And you know the interesting thing uh, for me as I observed what was going on with my friends that night and as I got involved as well, I felt the pull of wanting to fit in. Absolutely. All young people do. Um, All people do. But as I observed what the experience was like for my friends, I realised that God's way is so much better. Um, because the, the guys who were getting mixed up in the behaviours and in imbibing the amount of alcohol that they were consuming and all that kind of stuff, um, they weren't actually having a great night. Yeah, there was some silliness and there was some fun, the laughter and kind moments, um, but there was a lot of angst, there was a lot of um, physical illness, there was a lot of embarrassment, there was a lot of stuff that came out of what happened that night in their drunkenness that I was just watching going, how do I keep these guys safe as much as possible? This is just a, not a good environment. Has anyone ever been in a moment like that where they've seen the consequences of, of life choices and gone, 
I actually think God's way is much better than what these guys would have me join in. Have you had those moments in life? That's what someone promises us is the happy life, where you're not being shaped by negative influences. Rather, God's instruction of how to live is what's setting the tone for your life. And I look back to most of what we did during levers, playing volleyball on the beach and going body surfing and hanging around and being stupid with each other and all that kind of stuff that wasn't actually going along with stuff that didn't fit with God's ways. It was an enjoyment of God's world and God's people and, the, and the, the way that he shaped us and the things that he made us to enjoy. And I went, that was a happy way to spend the time. And I'm glad that I wasn't sucked into this kind of whirlpool of just doing the other kind of stuff because that wouldn't have been leading to a good outcome in my life. It wouldn't have been a great experience. Don't think happier is the same as easier because sometimes it is easier to go along with what's happening around you. But when you build your life on God's word, we are genuinely happier as a result. Often the things that lead to happiness are harder to do than the things that lead to destruction and sorrow and regret. But yet they will always lead to blessing, both now and into eternity. And that's what the psalm goes on to talk about in verse 3. It continues saying these words. Well done. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. It's a really simple image, isn't it? But it's a powerful one. Picture a hot wind blowing across a paddock and all the chaff is being picked up and blown away. But the trees don't get blown away. Those trees planted by streams of water, they stand firm, they're strong, they're, they're well established. Their leaves, according to someone, don't even wither. Their roots go down deep and draw up that life-giving water. They survive through those harsh seasons that we've been hearing about today. Uh, and the truth that they are drawing upon causes their lives to be full of good things. So how do we help young people discover the happiness of a godly life? A life that isn't being shaped by destructive influences, but on the contrary is being shaped by God's instruction. A life which is able to withstand those harsher seasons. A life which is bringing forth really good fruit. Good things are happening because they're living out of the wisdom of God's word. They're experiencing the reality of the, a God who watches over their ways and is involved in their life. Well, there's two things about that which are kind of particularly relevant when you're going through adolescence. By the way, adolescence, you kind of define from the age of 10 to 21. Um, there's no kind of really firm boundaries, obviously, because everybody's different. Um, and some of the things that are going on in adolescence continue right through your mid-20s. But, but that's kind of, it's the 10 to 21 is where most of the work is going on. Most of those changes are happening. And there's two aspects of what's going on in that stage of our lives, which it's good to be aware of so that we can make sure that we're doing what Psalm 1 talks about, that we're resisting the negative influences and that we're building our lives on God's instruction. So the first thing that I want to mention just briefly that is going on, particularly during adolescence, is that as we're growing and we're becoming more aware of the world around us, we're eager to take our place in the world. We're very, very sensitive about what other people think of us and where we fit, where we belong. We want to show that we're becoming an adult and we've got something to offer and we've got opinions and ideas and there's things that we can do. But there's also a lot of, I'm not quite sure if I cut it yet. I'm not quite sure if I belong. I'm not sure, quite sure if, I've, if I know enough or I can do enough or I'm cool enough or I'm whatever enough. 
Um, and so we're really sensitive to feedback from other people. We're really aware of the examples of our celebrities and, and people that the society holds up as role models. And you guys know that, right? Most of us have either been through it or are going through it right now. And it never stops. You know, that's just something that goes with being human. But it's something we feel really deeply through those adolescent years. So, of course, when the Bible says, don't let yourself be shaped by people around you who are negative influences, at that stage of life, that is a massive, massive risk. Something we need to be very careful about. We're naturally going to conform to our peers and our outside role models and the way celebrities do things or authority figures in our lives. So that's something for us to keep in mind about adolescence. And the second challenge is this. Someone calls us to be shaped not so much by negative influence of others, doesn't really talk about positive influences of others, the New Testament talks a lot about that, but someone says watch out that people don't lead you astray, but it also says make sure you're building your life on God's instruction. Um, here's the challenge. During adolescence, our ability to think is really on rocket fuel. It's really developing. Your ability to work things through, to think logically, to understand consequences. You're getting better and better at that kind of stuff as you get more experience, as you get more exposure to life, um, as you're getting more inputs from so many different sources. But our decision-making hasn't yet learnt to take advantage of our growing ability to figure things out. The way we make decisions is primarily governed by a part of our brain called the amygdala. Has anyone ever been here where I've talked about that before? It's, it's something that comes up often. It's, it's kind of the emotional centre of our brain. Um, and by default, especially during adolescence, that's making all the calls for us. It's not, what do I think is going to be the wisest thing here? What have I learnt so far that will help me make this decision? What's going to happen tomorrow and in five years' time if I do this thing right now? That's not really how we are on autopilot as an adolescent. It's like, this feels good, awesome, I'm doing it. Or, man, that felt sucky, I'm not doing that. It's the immediate emotional response that tends to drive our behaviour. Now, does that switch off as soon as you leave adolescence? No, it doesn't. But, uh, like anything that we practice over time, you know, the wiring in our brain gets better, and if, we're, if we work at it diligently, we get better at managing those emotional uh, impulses. During adolescence, they're really, really loud. The volume is really dialed up. And it's much harder to choose to do things other than what your emotions are telling you you want to do. So that's a massive issue when it comes to choosing to build your life on God's instruction. Because if your emotions are saying, do this, then even if God might have instructed something different, those emotions are louder in your thinking, in your acting. So what do we do about that? As a community, what do we do about that as young people who are going through those life stage challenges? Well, there's two things I want to suggest. The first is this. We need to do everything we can to surround our young people with positive influences and to limit the negative influences that they are surrounded by. That's not rocket science, is it? I mean, that's just what we have um, hopefully uh, experienced in our own lives. We want to surround uh, them with positive influences and limit the negative ones. That's why we choose to put them in an environment on a Friday night, for example, or a Sunday, where there's going to be good influences around because we know that's really, really important, particularly during adolescence. And secondly, we need to demonstrate how positive emotions connect with godly truth. And we need to expose the negative emotional consequences of ungodly choices. Now, these things go together really, really closely. Um, so uh, let me tell you a bit about my life and how those things have worked. 
So when I moved to Bustleton, I grew up in a small town in the goldfields, um, and we moved to Bustleton. I remember driving through town. First of all, it had a set of traffic lights. Now, for those of you who have grown up in Perth, you know, big deal. That's a big deal, all right? When you've grown up in a town um, which is 200 kilometres from the nearest set of traffic lights, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a sign of a big place. Um, and so we're driving through, we go through the traffic lights, and we go, oh, I've hit the big time here. And then we drove past the high school, and it just went on and on and on. And I was like, this, is, this is the town I just left. It's bigger than the town I just left, um, just that one school. So um, it was pretty daunting. That first weekend, guess what happened? A family from church, you'll never guess. A family from church came around. They brought a son with them who was my age. They bought food and a footy. Best thing ever. Because what did it do? Gave me somebody to connect to. Um, it, it, it helped me to, to draw into a community of people um, who were going to help me navigate this new season of life where it was going to be surrounded by a whole bunch of temptations that I wasn't used to. But now I've got a friend from church. Awesome. And being a young guy, and particularly with my introverted personality, I'm not going to go out and make friends really easily, but to bring a footy and food, well, what else does a teenage guy need? <laughs> Friendship 101 right there. So, so parents took the initiative to create the kind of community we've been celebrating today, and it made a massive difference. So over the, the following years, uh, a different uh, family from church who happened to have a son the same age, uh, they're, they're, the father in that family ran a youth Bible study that... Uh, a group of us, those five friends, went along to. Um, after that finished, there was a young lady uh, in church who was recently married. Uh, she started a youth Bible study on a Saturday morning. She um, got us together and said, hey guys, I don't actually know much about the Bible, but I know that we should be learning it together. So I'll put on the, uh, the, 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 the house and the bit of food. You guys come along. You'll probably teach me more than I'll teach you, but we'll figure this out together. Um, and so there was a couple of year 12s and one or two year 11s and, and a couple of year 8, 9, 10s, just a small group, but that was so important to have that community of people and that older person who was able to humbly say, let's figure out how to talk about life and talk about God's word together. Um, there were parents who took us up to Perth to go shopping for basketball boots and all that kind of stuff. There were just people who contributed to building a community that I could be a part of so that I could have positive role models in life. People further ahead, people at my stage, but people who actually understood that God's word was valuable and living God's way is better. And as a young person, that made a massive, massive difference. So while I was tempted to do all kinds of things, and I did mess up plenty, I was also, as I shared earlier about um, going to that party, I'd also seen enough to go, you know what, this kind of life actually works better and leads to a lot more happiness than pursuing those kinds of things. So I had positive emotions attached to godly truth because I'd experienced what it felt like. And I'd heard stories from people who had been places that I hadn't been and experienced things I hadn't experienced. And it built into me in the way that I most needed at that stage of my life. We're not talking about you know, lots of programs necessary. We're talking about that family that Joe was talking about, the community of people who could teach God's truth in a way that I most needed. So to the young people who have served today, most of you will be pretty nervous, huh? Jumping up on stage. Scary as. So glad you did. You guys encouraged us so much. And I remember when uh, I was first getting involved in, in serving in church, uh, again, that was down at Bustledon in my teenage years, uh, it was running the sound system up the back. We didn't have a nice booth uh, down there where no one could see if you were scribbling on your notepad. Um, everybody probably knew we were drawing cartoons while the sermon was going on. Uh, so, but there was an environment where we were able to serve 
uh, where we could try things, that people could uh, get to know us. Um, and we're really thrilled that you have trusted us today in terms of coming and serving us, trusting that we're not watching you critically and, and going to bag anything that goes wrong, uh, trusting that we just want to cheer you on and say we are so pleased that you um, are a part of our community. And it doesn't matter, um, in a sense, how you're serving. We want to cheer you on as God shapes you to play music or to serve practically or to press buttons or to just be a smiling presence. Uh, we want you to know that when you ask a question, we love not just to answer in a way that says, well, listen to me because I know all the answers. We love to actually hear your opinions as well and help you to connect what you're thinking and feeling to what the Bible says. We really love to be a part of those conversations with you. We want to do for you what certainly in my life I look back and say, there were people doing that for me. Uh, we want to keep passing on that baton. And that's what our church is all about. Can you imagine being in the kind of community where, let's say, um, something uh, went wrong on stage. Maybe it's a misplayed chord. Maybe it's somebody coming in vocally at the wrong time. Maybe there's just something like that that goes on. And that young person is feeling, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? We've all been there, right? That's me most Sundays, let's be honest. So, um, so, and you go away and you're thinking about what you didn't do right. Um, imagine how just shattering would be to have some other adult figure or person say, oh, a bit of a shame about that missed chord there, or, or whatever. And what are your emotions telling you about whether you will ever take a risk again? No. Now, you could think that through rationally. Oh, you know what? They were just you know, having a little bit of fun. Or, you know what? Yeah, that person didn't agree with the way I did that. But, you know, all these other people did. You can, you can rationalise and work things out when you don't get treated as well as you ought to have been treated. But our emotional centre, that reacts pretty quickly. And particularly during adolescence, it's hard to get past that voice. So wouldn't it be terrible to be a part of a community where those sort of voices were what people heard? Whether you're a young person or an adult. And ain't me thankful that that's not who we choose to be. Now, have we stuffed up sometimes and done that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Nobody's perfect and no community is perfect. But we choose that that is not going to be who we are. And it's important that we do so. But what do you do about negative stuff? Because it's great to be affirming, well done guys, and to cheer them on. And it's great to hear that. And I appreciate that so much that people in our church family are so supportive and encouraging and affirming of so many things. But what happens when maybe it's uh, our young people are hanging out with influences that are negative and you're going, oh, I've got to do something about that. Or maybe it's they're making decisions that are taken in the wrong direction. You go, oh, I need to speak into that. You can't avoid negative stuff all the time. As good as it is to focus on the positive and to build in the positive, sometimes you've got to deal with the harder stuff. How do we do that? Well, Ephesians 4 has a really great life principle. It says it's through speaking the truth in love that we grow. You see, when we lecture and we point out mistakes, um, what gets learnt there is that the Bible is what people use to make us feel bad. Bible is what people use to make us feel guilty. Uh, the Bible lets us know when we're not good enough. Um, is that what the Bible is for, folks? Can I have a bit more enthusiasm in those head shapes? No. Is the Bible meant to convict us of sin? Absolutely. Is the Bible meant to show us what's good? You betcha. But when somebody is feeling maybe that guilty conscience because God's prompting them, uh, when somebody's feeling like they've messed up and they're ashamed or whatever it might be, is our job to make sure that they really do know that. <laughs> you really have messed up. Now, that really wasn't good enough. Or is our job to say, you know what? Communion. 
fresh start in Jesus all the time. You know what? God's ways really are better. You know, how, how could we um, experience that sense of letting go of shame and guilt? What does the Bible tell us about that? What has Jesus done so that we don't have to feel like this all the time? So that our emotions associate the Bible with freedom. What does Galatians say? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I don't have to feel guilty all the time. I don't have to feel like one mistake and I've ruined my life. I don't have to feel like my failure means that uh, my parents are ashamed of me and, and uh, you know, if people only knew, then they wouldn't like me. No, I can actually hear these wonderful life-giving truths about the fact that we all fall short. And hey, let me tell you a story about how I've done that. And I can hear these wonderful life-giving truths about what God does to meet us where we are and take us somewhere better. And I can hear these wonderful life-giving truths about a community that is to encourage each other and spur each other on, not to beat each other down. Um, that's what we are meant to be giving for our young people. And guess what? It doesn't stop when they hit 21. That's what all people need all the time. So as we think about Psalm 1, how do you have a happy life? Well, you learn not to follow the negative examples of, of the world. You, you, you f don't follow along and don't join in with where the world, which is in rebellion against God, is going. Instead, you're learning together in a community how good life is when you build it on God's instruction. There is nothing better. What does uh, the Bible say in a few different places? Taste and see. The Lord is good.